Hello, hello, and welcome to The Mental Matchup, a podcast where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest competitions an athlete will ever face, the matchup against their own mind. I'm Kat, and today I sit down with Chi-Chi Odu. Chi-Chi attended Davidson College in North Carolina, where he played football as a defensive end. Throughout the episode, she walks us through balancing the stress and anxiety of being an athlete and a pre-med student and how poetry helped him work through some of the, you know, tougher times and some other tools and tricks that he incorporated to his life. And I also am really excited for everyone to hear this conversation in part due to Chi-Chi earning the a Thomas J. Watson Fellowship Grant, which allowed him to travel to 14 different countries to have meaningful conversations with athletes, coaches, sports psychologists, you name it. I think it's so incredibly fascinating to hear all about Chi-Chi's experiences growing up in Texas and then, you know, moving from the marching band to playing football to traveling the world and having all these incredible conversations. I am really lucky that, you know, he he came on the podcast and I'm really excited for everyone to listen to this episode. And if you're interested in learning more about Chi Chi, you can head to our mental matchup story site and read what volcanoes have to do with athletes' mental health. Um, with that, let's get right into it. Chi-Chi, thank you so much for coming on The Mental Matchup. I am extremely excited to have you on and have you share a little bit about your story and talk a little bit about your experiences of traveling all all over creation. Um, So to get us started, can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do? Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for one. Like, um, I don't know, it's just cool it's going full circle got the chance to talk to you like before I left on the trip and just um I don't know really cool to just see you again but um yeah my name is Chichioto I am originally from Dallas Texas I just graduated from Davidson College in 2022 um so I was a psychology major there and then played uh, I, I say American football but that's a story for another thing but I I, I played football there and um yeah and so what I do do now, I, I was really fortunate. I got a grant through what's called the Watson Foundation. Uh, the Watson Foundation gives 40 college graduates an opportunity to study a project they're passionate about for a year. Um, and so I was really grateful for the opportunity through them to study mental health and sport um, around the world um, in 14 different countries. And um, doing that, and we'll, we'll probably dive into that a little bit later, but um, yeah, doing that was just an amazing experience. Got back about a month ago and then um, back here in Dallas now and um, working towards writing a book. And then uh, we are um, working at an addiction clinic in uh, Addison, Texas, suburb of Dallas. So um, that's a little bit about who I am, where I am at. And I forget the third question, but I feel like I may have covered that. But You did. You covered it. Um, let's dive right in. Football. How'd you get into it? Was your sport always football? Were there any other sports that you played growing up? No. So, so funny enough, I I started out as a cross country runner. Um, so that was uh, I didn't really get into sports until seventh grade. Um, that was the first time the the middle schools offered it up, and um, I started out as a cross country runner. Uh, that was the fall sport. You could either do that or football, and I was pretty afraid of getting hit. Um, and so I was just kind of like, well, cross country is a good starter. Um, yeah. And so I ran cross country seasons. Um, I was awful. Um, I, I want to say I finished every race. I can't tell you with complete certainty that I never walked after or during every race. There were some times where we just had to put the hands on the hips and, and, uh, yeah. But, um, anyway, so that we, we realized like that's, that's maybe not our calling in life. And, um, I think for me, the, the turnaround point towards football was I was also a, a maybe not a band nerd, but a 
band geek, however you want to call it. But um, I, I used to play the tuba. Um, so I started in sixth grade playing the tuba. Um, I played it up until ninth grade when I had to pick between uh, when you could no longer play um, football and do marching band at the same time. But um, seventh grade, they kind of have like this uh, middle school night at the high school football games. And um, I, don't, I don't I didn't have much of a reference for football in general. My, my pa- family is from Nigeria. Um, so they grew up playing the the other football that we call soccer. Um, and so I didn't grow up like rooting for Baylor or Texas Tech or or things like that. But um, yeah, so I go to the go to the football game and um, yeah, we're sitting there watching because they're they're essentially trying to recruit the like the band kids and say like, hey, like playing the tuba is really cool. You should keep playing it into high school or like, wow, look at us. Um, I think I, I I went there and. I realized just that like um, no offense to the cross country runners, but I was like um, being in Texas, Texas high school football, it is like um, pageantry in and of itself. It is this like amazing fanfare. Like at, at current, my school made or school built a $70 million stadium. Like there are plenty of things the city could do with $70 million, but um, I don't know, we, we just love our football. And so I, I go there as a kid and I'm watching the like, Oh, just the the fanfare, the the fan like the fans being fanatic, and then um, yeah, you just realize like man, like there is a lot again. No, no offense to the cross country cross country runners, um, but it's like oh man, like it, this is a lot more cooler. This maybe gets me a little bit more social cred. Um, yeah, and so I just I, I signed up for football in eighth grade, and um, I didn't know a thing about football. I, I bought a book. Uh, or I got a book from the library on our way back from summer vacation called football for dummies. And I just essentially uh, looked through it and I was like, okay, well, I've got to pick an offensive position. I've got to pick a defensive position. I picked wide receiver. Um, and then I picked defensive end. Um, we got to eighth grade and they realized that I could not catch to save my life. And so then there was just defensive end and, uh, was a defensive end from eighth grade all the way up till my senior year of college, and yeah, that's that's kind of kind of how I found football. Um, how football found me. Thanks for sharing that. How like at what point in high school did you realize like one, hey, maybe I want to play collegiately, and two, maybe I'm like good enough to kind of play at the collegiate level. Yeah, I, I think that a um, couple of things, like our our, our um, high school, we were, I guess, what you would call perennial, like you go to the playoffs and you maybe get out in the first or second round. Um, but then there was just this one, I think my soft, my freshman year of high school, um, our school made it to the fourth round of the, the state playoffs, which just again, in Texas, like huge deal. And like, um, we had a couple of guys who are, who just had these like crazy offers from USC, from Texas A&M, from, from all over. And you just kind of see the world that that can become. And, um, I, I, I think, yeah, I, but I don't know, maybe I, I shouldn't give myself too much credit. I, I think sometimes like as a kid, you're just kind of doing the thing and like, it's like, um, I don't know, you just, uh, I was a little bit more successful at defensive end, like, um, and I oh, just had some, some good stats and went to camps and, um, oh, I think there was a point where like a, a coach pulled me aside and just said, Hey, like, um, for one, like, cause for me, recruiting was honestly pretty quiet. Um, I was 190 pounds, six foot. Um, and it's kind of like 190 pounds after the Chinese buffet. Um, but cause I, I also wrestled and I, I wrestled at 182 and then eventually 195, but, um, yeah, I didn't know it was super possible, but it was, was pretty, pretty good on the grade side. And, um, just with those high academics, like, uh, I don't know, had an opportunity, like, uh, Davidson really, really pulls from the high academic world. And, um, yeah, a coach just pulled me aside one day after practice and was like, Hey, there's a, a coach from Davidson who reached out. And for me, like, I, I wasn't much of a sports fan. And so I was kind of like Davidson. He was like, yeah, it's the, uh, it's the place that Steph Curry went to. And in like 2014, it was kind of, I don't know. That, I think that was like 24 or it was, yeah, it was 2017. So it was kind of the peak of, you, you ask anybody who goes to Davidson, they're like, all we get 
all we hear is that it's the, the place of Steph Curry went. But um, digressing a bit, but um, yeah, I didn't, didn't really know until it showed up at my doorstep. I, I think up until about a month before signing day, I, I really thought that I was going to be a regular student and go to Baylor University. But um, yeah, Lord had different plans. And uh, yeah, really grateful for, for them taking a chance on me to go up to Davidson. So, What was your mental health like throughout growing up? And were there conversations uh, around mental health in your community? I would say... I would say no. So I, I think a couple of things like uh, my family is from Nigeria. Um, within like the Nigerian context, there's just a lot of um, I don't know, there's a lot of stigma surrounding mental health. And even just one of the things I found around the world is there there's a bit of that disconnect between like, um, for example, there was a, uh, a coach, um, Coach U- Eugene Behrman from New Zealand. One of the things he said was, um, Oh, there in my generation there was mental um and there was health but there was no mental health and so um there's kind of that disconnect of um yeah like if you are struggling it might be something where it's like okay we need to um yeah we like it, it it's something that's like otherworldly or like uh you're not really struggling until you're um i don't know they need to put you in a, a straight jacket send you to the psych ward and um yeah so there there really weren't too many conversations about it and um i think for myself my my thing growing up was i was always extremely hard on myself i i think there's so many expectations um and i, I think anybody from our, our kind of age and generation can agree to that of just like um for example like college admissions it's like there's no perfect like hey if you have this grade and this grade and this grade you're going to get in it's like well like Maybe if you got five more points, you might beat that guy. Or if you did this, or you took this many classes, or you scored on this thing. And um, I think sometimes that that pressure to perform um, really just—I I think I—I I would be too um, too preemptive. I think I'd just be like, "Oh, you should be." Um, oh, if, if if person number A, if person A, not person number A, but if person A is going 100 miles per hour and I'm going. 50 miles per hour, you might compare yourself and say, I've got to be going 100 miles per hour. Why are you still going 50? Um, I don't know. It's been two hours. You should be at 200 miles, but you're only at 100. We got a lot, we've got a lot to go on, and you, you don't have uh, gas in the tank to get that far. Um, really, uh, I don't know, maybe not the best analogy, but um, that's, you know, it's just uh, to say we, I didn't have mental health conversations growing up. To be honest, I don't know that I, I really did up until. Um, yeah, really up until around uh, sophomore, junior year of college. But um, yeah, I think I think looking back, I, I understand just the amount of stress and things I put myself under, whether that's just the pressure to be um, the best son I could be, to be the best student I could be, to be the best athlete I could be. Um, and then just maybe being a little bit frustrated when the results don't meet your expectations. Did So... So did you struggle at all with your mental health up until college or? Um, yeah, I, I would say like, um, so, so you're, you're asking through, through my high school years, was there, was there great struggles? I, I would say, yeah, no, I, I would say, yeah, I would say no. It, well, no, I, I guess what I would say is that where I struggled was just a matter of like, um like the stress i would put on myself of like hey you should be here you are not here why are you not here you should like and then that pressure of like we're behind we've got to go we've got to go we've got to go and so i i think i would just kind of run or live life with the weight of i should be i should be there i'm not there um and maybe i shouldn't be there at that point um i don't, I don't know if that makes sense but um yeah, yeah, I'm, follow- I, I I'm following. It's a little question. Um, so it sounds like to kind of summarize, like not a lot of mental health conversations, if any, growing up. Um, really more so this like comparison game and being really hard on yourself in high school, which maybe is easier, kind of like hindsight's twenty twenty. 
what was the transition like to go from Dallas, Texas to, I think, Davidson's North Carolina? Right, right. right. Yeah, so we're, we're 30 minutes north of Charlotte, yeah. Yeah, 30 minutes north of Charlotte. What's the transition like, not only just to like leave to go to probably a completely new culture, uh, new school, but also playing football at the collegiate level, which you kind of said earlier, you kind of like fell into. You never really saw yourself doing it until the opportunity presented itself. Um, can you walk us through what that looked like? Yeah, no, it was it was so cool. I think freshman year uh, for most people it just ends up being this coming of age story of where like you're in headlights i've never seen this before they're doing this this is super awesome what does college game day look like what is like running through the tunnel look like um i think for me um yeah the the transition was um i think it was it was a little different now that now that hindsight is now 2020 but i, I think one of the things I, I personally struggled with going in was I was I was a bit sick. Um, I funny enough I got malaria um, right before I was supposed to go to uh, fall camp. I took a trip to Nigeria, did not take the malaria medicine, got a mosquito bite, and I was like, "Oh, I should be fine." Um, turns out I was not fine. Um, but I think because of that, I had a couple of protocols that I was maybe two or three weeks behind the other guys, where it was like. Hey, in order for you to transition well, um, you're not going to be in that activity or you're only going to do 10 minutes of this or, hey, you're going to need to do extra conditioning right after. Um, I think that piece was tough of just not necessarily getting the smooth transition of like, hey, you fit in, you belong. But I think the culture set in at Davidson was really good to where um, there were so many guys who um, just got around you really quickly and in, in the in the older generation and um, I think in that sense I felt um, felt loved felt encouraged um, yeah and so I, I think that that was that was um, yeah that transition at first at least like before school actually starts because I guess that's that's the big part of like how do you balance all the academics how do you balance the social life but um, yeah at least just to start like that that getting there was okay Gotcha. So then how did kind of your collegiate career progress and how was your mental health throughout kind of that progression? Yeah. So I think um, a couple of things, right? So I, I played four years at Davidson. I was a, a four-year starter, um, but I missed 40% of my games due to injury. Um, my My sophomore year, I broke my right foot um in the same season i think that was the fourth game of the year i broke my right foot um takes six weeks to recover i came back and on the 10th game of the year i um broke my left fibula and essentially burned a burned a redshirt year that i possibly could have taken for the future and um i don't know, broke the fibula um went through went through covid which was really yucky um fibula rehab took uh, three or four months longer than it should have just because we were all locked down. You couldn't get access to rehab and things. And um, yeah, broke my right foot, broke my left fibula, and I tore my right Achilles tendon um, and my junior year getting across into my senior year. And I think that was, that was probably the toughest part because we um, with COVID um, Davidson and a lot of the other schools in FCS decided to defer their sports into the spring of 2021. So you had to play spring of 2021 and fall of 2021. Uh, so your junior and senior year were in the same calendar year. Um, yeah, and so that was that was kind of the one thing you realized when you were going into your junior year. Like, hey, if you if we have to play in six months, like taking care of your body is the most important thing. And if not for nothing, you do not want to get injured so that you miss out on like your senior season. Um, I think my body missed that conference call that we had together. And um, yeah, Taryn, you tore my Achilles third game of the season, um, March of that year. And I, I didn't come back until October of that year. So I missed four games of my senior season and then thankfully played the rest of it out injury free. Um, albeit we had to bandage me up like a mummy to get there. But um, yeah, I, I think 
loads of different things. So I would say the injuries and then, well, I might just list them all out and maybe dive into a couple of them, but that, that the injuries was tough. I think going through COVID was so tough. Like um, any, anybody listening to this who can just kind of relate to what um, school's isolation measures might've looked like or doing online classes. And I couldn't tell you what I remembered from Zoom because it was just a whole lot of like, I can't, if my professor's ever listening to this, maybe I wasn't, I, I don't know, but I wasn't the most attentive. There was lots of, um, yeah, there were lots of things done with the screen off of wholesome things of like playing iPhone games or something with someone. But um, yeah, but that was, um, I think that was just such a tough season for so many people because I, I'm, I'm a people person. I love um, just getting to meet people because um, I don't know, everybody's so wonderful. Um, I think we're all uniquely made and there's something about you that nobody else has. And I, I draw so much energy from um, just being around people, loving on people and um, going from that to where it just had to be like, um, especially for the sake of, um, Hey, we need to compete. If you are the starter, if you love the team, if you don't want to get anybody else sick, you're going to isolate. You're going to stay away um, from people and do the best that you can for the sake of the team. And I, I think that was a that was a really hard situation for so many people to be in. And um, I, other than that, I, I would just say the balance. I, I made. I was a pre med major, psychology, um, and it was yeah, just there were not easy classes of like some of the, the prerequisites of taking biology, chemistry, physics. Um, I'm just not the, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, prettiest cookie in the batch, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah, it was just, um, I don't know. There were so many times where you were just um, my, my roommate and I, my roommate also is, is desiring to be a doctor and, we'd always say to ourselves, we, we don't have time to be smart. Like, it's like, um, I don't know, I, I, I was listening in class. I heard the material, but I don't have the time to do the repetition of things because I, I may have the time, I may have the desire, but I don't have the energy because we just had two, three hours of practice and I felt like I got hit by a bus and I've got to wake up by this time for morning lift and I've got to go from here to there. And, um, or you, you might want to get tutored, but tutoring times are not at the, don't necessarily fit your schedule and um yeah there was just a lot of there's a lot of stress associated in that but um i'm gonna figure out which bucket to go into whether it's covid injury or um just the stress but um i think i'll i'll just start this way and maybe go backwards or if you want to chop me up and, and and say one but um yeah i, I think I, I struggled a lot with um yeah, just that balance of being a student athlete. Like I think, um, especially in in the football world, we we all kind of get the like the dumb jock prototype or the the stereotype. And um, you know, walking into classes and maybe not feeling like, um, hey, I am enough in this space, or um, I just know what I'm talking about. And um, I think it always felt like, especially with the schedule and how we had to do things and maybe just not having all the support because there's not a whole lot of pre-med majors in our pre-med guys in, in football or in athletics in general. And so sometimes you may be walking into that classroom and you're the only athlete you see or your, um, or your, your, um, your professor plans office hours or things right when practices or right when you're going for the game or they may not be as, um, yeah. And, and so for me, that was just, um, that was tough because you kind of, if your identity as a student athlete, like um, this is a, maybe this is a harsh thing, but if you are a student athlete, like if your life is broken into two and like, if you are, um, oh, if you're failing in the classroom, it's like, dang, you're failing at 50% of life. You just had to do like two things, which is, that that's not, that's not right. But, um, I think as I struggled so much because I took it that way and it was like, oh man, I am, I'm not as good. I'm not as great. And it, I think it amplified even when the like, um, things on the field didn't go as well. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that was one thing that, that I really struggled with. And, um, you know, I, I struggled with, um, the injury side of things like, um, you go down three times, like it's so tough to, um, it's tough to trust your body, it's tough to like, 
um, as a defensive end, you're running, you're making tackles, and, like, you you can't play slow. Um, you can't play soft. You can't um, – I don't know, you can't give – you can't give less than a hundred percent, but you know that, Hey, if you throw yourself at this guy, if you tackle this guy, like there's no guarantee that you're not going to get hurt again. Um, and so that was tough of like being a guy who could lift like 300 pounds, who could, who could bench 300 pounds, who could squat this much, who could do this, but then like, man, I can't walk today. Or like, Oh man, like I need somebody to help me get my tray from point A to point B or, I have to ask for an extension for this because I've got surgery or I've got to do. Um, I, I think just kind of that. Um, yeah. Some of that, that, those points of weakness that you feel during injury were so tough of like, I, I think I myself, like I, I, one of the things you, you maybe pride yourself on as a people person is that like, um, know, you're being a blessing to people. And, and sometimes you forget that, um, life is a two-way street that you should allow other people to bless you like you, you forget that um yeah like everybody everybody needs needs help sometimes and I, I think I would I would fight it so much of like man I've got to be the strong injured person like I can't can't tell my my friend about how much it sucks because he's got a game today or I can't like I can't be a burden to the coaches I can't be a burden to, and I I think um yeah that was that was that was a tough part for me and I, I think it didn't help. Like you, sometimes um, you you never want to be the the old old geezer who finishes their career and it's like, oh man, coulda shoulda woulda, or man, I woulda did this. And um, but I I think one of those fears for me was I, I missed out on forty percent of the games, and so it was like, man, there were some really big like um, big games for the football program where it was like, man, like that's the stories we're gonna go back and tell when we're sixty. 65 if we don't have CTE and if we remember all these stories. Um, but, um, no, and, and you, you look back and it's like, man, like, um, I was really fortunate, uh, Davidson, um, coach Abel, our head coach and, and just that whole regime was one of the best, um, college sporting environments I could have walked into. Um, we were a losing program before um, I got there. 2018, my class um, comes and the new head coach comes. And um, we gave the, oh, in our four years, we gave the school the first winning season in um, over 10 years. And then we won the first two conference championships and over, uh, or just in the school's, school's history. And so um, getting injured across those college championships or conference championships, um, uh, you always get the feeling of like, man, is that ring? Is that um, is that win? Does that really count? Did I really contribute as much to the season? And um, oh, well, while you know that's not true, sometimes you're just like, man, I really wish I could have been in the game. I really wish I could have been here. I could have done that. Um, I feel like I, I've been talking too much, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let I'm gonna let, <laughs> I'm gonna let you uh, I guess rip off that ask a question, but. Um, yeah, that's just a, a couple of things where, where uh, I don't know if that gives you guys a, a general sense of some of the things going on in my college career. We're going to take a quick break and we'll get back to Chi Chi in a moment. I'd like to take a second to talk about Morgan's message, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Morgan's message was founded in July of 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers, who was a beloved daughter, sister, and fiercely loyal friend. Morgan's message strives to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the student-athlete community and equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics. We aim to expand the dialogue on mental health by normalizing conversations, empowering those who suffer in silence, and supporting those who feel alone. To get involved, to find out more, or to just follow along, head to morgansmessage.org or find us on Instagram at morgansmessage. With that, let's get back to the episode.
how did your mental health struggles manifest for you? What, did it look like anxiety, depression? Um, can you kind of speak to those impacts and how it really like affected your day-to-day, week-to-week like life? Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, if you can, I, I guess just pulling back, I don't know if you can scrub back 10 minutes before. Um, I think one of my biggest struggles was just um, in, in life is just like um, feeling like there's this great potential that I have or like, Hey, I should be at this point in my life and not being there. The, the tension between um, where you are and where you want to be. Um, and I think, I try so hard to get over that hump. And I, I, I think for me, I, I think, um, yeah, I was just so anxious. Um, a lot of the times, like, um, one of the things that pushed me, um, to see my, my sports psychologist at the school, um, for the first time. And I think for me, I didn't go for three years being a psychology major. I got there, the first year and uh, took psych 101 and they said, Hey, um, you get 10 free sessions uh, every year. Um, No, yeah. Free sessions. You just get somebody who can have an extra set of eyes on your life. Like to me, aside from the mental health part, it's like, man, if you could have somebody who could just be a counselor, a client, a friend, uh, uh, just a mentor to you for four years of life. And I don't know, like, just kind of, I don't know if that's like the Jarvis to your Iron Man adventure. Like, I mean, why not? Um, but I think I, I never took that leap because I was like, man, like as a man, like what if somebody finds out I go, I, I went and sought help or like, ah, oh, well, um, I don't know, just even things of like, what are they going to do with that information? Like, where does it go? Who's going to know? Like, does that go on my medical records? Or And I, I think, um it was not until I I got to a point where the stress of balancing being a student and an athlete at the same time just got so, um, just got to be so much. Like, I, I think some of it was self-imposed of, like, um, I, I don't know if I'm talking to anybody who is, like, a 1159, like, um, savant. Like, I, I think for me, like, if the assignment is due at midnight or at 1159 like I had maybe three or four assignments in a three to four week span where it was like I'm turning in that paper at 1159 58 like two seconds left three seconds left seven seconds left um which is like let me tell you it is like the if you ever want like the adrenaline of hitting somebody um like fourth and five like causing a turnover turning it in with two seconds left like near identical um, but one of those things should just not happen in general. Um, and I, I think for me, there's something, uh, that I learned about procrastination in the sense of like, um, someone told me that we do not procrastinate because we don't want to do the things that we don't want to do. Um, more often like that can be the case sometimes, but more often than not, it's like, we don't like the feelings associated when we do those things. And so for me, my junior year, I was a, I was in physics classes, but I would procrastinate the homework because while I'm doing the, I, it's not that I don't want to do the physics classes, but when I do the homework, I feel stupid. I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like I'm just one bad grade away from not getting into medical school from getting on academic probation from just feeling like poop about yourself. And I I think um, there was just so much stress in my life. There was just so much anxiety over where, um, I don't know, this medical school process or even just like, hey, we've got to get, um, I don't know, we're we're injured. What is is my role now? Where, Where do I fit in? Even just the social life aspect of how do I balance all these things? Like, how do I make friends? How do I do that? And it was just, it was so much to where, um, I don't know, the, the, the picture I say is like, um, you don't, you don't want to wait until the house is on fire, um, before you, um, I don't know, before you buy a fire extinguisher, before you fireproof your house. And I, I think there was a moment for me where I just felt the weight of, um, all the stress, all the anxiety that was going on in my life. And I was like, okay, the house isn't on fire. I'm not 
not in the darkest place, but I don't want to wait till I get there um, before I reach out for help. And um, that was me just reaching out to the sports psychologist, psychologist and saying, Hey, like, is there, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Hey, do you, do you have any time in the next couple of weeks? Do you have any time in the near future? And um, I don't know, it's something I can be like forever grateful for. I, I think, um, yeah, my life's better because I, I, I raised my hand and, and said, Hey, I need help. So. Um, yeah, I I think yeah. what you kind of struck on um, that I resonate with is procrastination due to fear of failure, which I think is like it's a hard one to combat. Um, like to your point of like, am I one grade away from not getting into medical school? Right? It's like almost like, well, if I don't fail then it's fine right I'd rather like not even put myself up to fail that I think can hold hold us back as humans um and it's like a very common common thing I found I I do want to chat about like you you've gone kind of through these different stressors and experiences and it's impacted your mental health like what kind of tools have you put into place to help with that anxiety, to help get over kind of that like fear of failure um, that have made a positive impact on how you manage your mental health? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think the first thing I'd say is I'm still growing. Um, I think, I don't know, at 23 years old, if I figured it all out, that would be, man, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. I don't know if I'd, I don't know. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, I I can't even imagine what that would be like. But I I think, um, for me, just in the in the past couple of years, I think for me, I've had the some of the tools of just like um, for one, just stopping and taking perspective of like, because I I think I can always have like, and and I think as athletes, we always have these lofty goals of like nobody gets into the season. Um, for the most part, nobody's like. Uh, this like we're not going to win a, a a national championship or we're not going to win the state like state in high school or we're not going to or like oh that team like that that beat us for the last 60 years we're not like um there's a saying that says there is no um like dream no dream no small dreams because they have no magic to stir men's blood um and in that sense um i i always dream high um, and I think when I fail or when I, I feel just the tension of like, what, like, how are we going to do this? How is this going to happen? Just stopping to say like, okay, take perspective. Like this seems like a horrible situation, but what's two or three good things that we can just realize, even if it's not even related to the situation, if you can think about three good things about life in general, then you can probably think about three more things about life in specific. And, um, yeah, I, I think for me, that has been just being able to center myself around truths of just saying, like, what what are some things that are true in this moment um, that can take away some of the stress, that can take away um, some of that anxiety? Um, yeah, because you're always doing, it's never as good as it seems, it's never as bad as it seems, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I think... Yeah, that, that would be the one thing. And then just realizing some things that, that give me joy. Um, I, I love, um, yeah, I love listening to new music. Um, I love going going out and taking walks. I love running, even though I don't run all that fast. And um, yeah, I, I think for me, like sometimes taking yourself out of that, um, yeah, out of that world, because um, sometimes um yeah, we, we get so hyper focused as athletes and, and you can forget um you can forget the bigger picture, you can forget that like um something that someone said of, of you're right in the middle of what you've been praying for. Um and like I, I look at it, um there were so many times where um I don't know, I'm twenty, twenty one, junior, senior, um, and I'm struggling of like, man, like this sucks. This period sucks. These three weeks of getting just in the slog of the season, it sucks. But you look back and there's an 18 year old me who would have never dreamed of like, dude, you're playing at Davidson or like, um, man, you're actually, you guys are actually winning at Davidson or you have the opportunity to go see all these places and things. And um, I think it's not the 
not the like silver bullet, but I think those are a couple things that I, I, I try to remind myself of when, when things are, when, when that stress, when that anxiety kicks in. Thank you for sharing those things. Um, I know that kind of you went through this journey and it made such a big impact on you that you ended up getting a grant to kind of travel and travel to 14 countries this past year and learn a little bit more about, you know, mental health in other countries. And so I'd love if you could speak a little bit on that and maybe like what some of the more powerful moments of your travels were. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for reference, I, I left the States first of August in 2022. Um, I traveled to um, the Commonwealth Games in England, went to Iceland, Denmark, Kenya, South Africa, back to the UK, the Canary Islands, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Korea, Germany, Sweden, Argentina, and Chile. Um, 14 countries in all, all varying, uh, all varying time, uh, time spans. Um, I ended up going to Kenya and South Africa for six weeks, for example. I went to the Canary Islands for five days for a, an athlete training camp. I um, was in Argentina and New Zealand for three weeks. Um, but uh, I was in, also in Australia for three months. So it was just kind of this hodgepodge, piecewise thing. But um, I don't know, the goal of my project was to have conversations with athletes, coaches, and sports psychologists to get their thoughts on mental health and sport, just to learn from their experiences. Um, because the experience of me playing college football in the northeastern or southeastern United States is, is very different from uh, a marathon runner in Kenya or a rugby rugby player in South Africa or a um, field hockey player in Argentina. And I, I think for me, um, yeah, that was that was just um, I don't know. People ask so much, what was the, the favorite part of the trip? It's um, there's this Maori phrase that says, uh, hey, tangata, hey, tangata, hey, tangata. They, they have this just proverb that says, what's the most important thing in the world? And it, uh, the refrain is, it's the people, it's the people, it's the people. Like, um, I, I had this opportunity to talk with over 700 people over the course of the year and just um, sit down with them face to face. And a lot of times it was impromptu. of like, um, I'm the weirdo tapping your shoulder on the back um, at the airport because I see that you've got kit from New Zealand or South Africa or I just happened to be in the train or I met someone who knows someone or I just knocked on the door of your facility or showed up to the meet and um, for me one of the coolest takeaways was just how many people were willing to sit down and talk about their mental health how many people were willing to sit down and share their stories um yeah, how many people were just willing to to give up their their resources um, just to be able to do to share that because it is just such a big issue around the world and um, I think for me just from a conversation side one of the most beautiful things for me was like um, I, I for in just honest terms like if if some random dude uh, pops up behind you and says hey I'm a random guy from Texas like hey, let's sit down and talk about some things that you're maybe not uncomfortable about or you might be uncomfortable about. Like, and oh, you just, you, you have no idea if I, I, I don't know, I could be the Easter bunny for all I know, but for all they know. But um, yeah, you would get in these conversations and a guy might feel a bit skeptical and they say like, hey, I've only got five minutes. I've only got 10 minutes. And it's kind of this rush a little bit of, but once you start talking about your story, um, once you open up, it, it, it was cool where people, I always try to be respectful of people's times. And I would look at the, look at the watch and be like, Oh, well, it's actually time. And they're like, no, no, we can keep going. And, and I think it was such a good thing of understanding, like no matter where I was, no matter who was, um, who, what sport I was talking to, talk to over 30 different sport codes, talk to, over 40 different nationalities just because sport moves. It's just that, um, I don't know, they're, they're, mental health and sport is this growing issue around the world. And, um, yeah, so many people, um, I don't know, just are, are, are ready to offer their services, are ready to share their stories so that the next generation can be better. Um, so that, that was one of, one of, one of my favorite takeaways, uh, just, just in a, in a general sense. Um, Trying to think. Sometimes when I talk way too much, I'm just kind of like maybe I should just throw no, it back for a I, <laughs> so I could 
Um, yeah. You know. I would, I would say like, if there was one thing you learned from someone that you'd love to pass on to the audience, maybe to someone who is like struggling, can't really find their place in the world, something yeah. along those lines, you could pick like what resonates with you, but something that maybe stayed with you that you really held on to after this, this journey. Yeah. So I, I guess for, for reference, like I, I think it was, uh, yeah, having these conversations on mental health and sport, like um, the really cool thing, every conversation wasn't the same. Like they centered around topics of like, um, I don't know, and generally like uh, the, the reason I want to write a book is because there's not a lot written about mental health and sport. There's a lot of mental skills, mental performance, but um, we don't talk enough about like, what is it like to go up through the elite system? What is it like for you to deal with family, finances, relationships, coaches, injuries, like transition into retirement? And you know, oftentimes we just don't humanize the athlete experience where we're all the superheroes. And I, I think that, um, yeah, just having these different conversations. Um, the one thing that I tried to keep constant, um, at least probably for 80% of it, was I would ask like, um, if you had a microphone to the world to talk about mental health and sport, um, what sorts of things would come to mind? Um, and I think, yeah, it was just beautiful how there were so many different answers that I didn't even think of and how there were so many that just stayed constant where it was like, um, this person from Kenya has something to say that's very similar to what somebody from um, Australia or New Zealand might say. And um, just a couple like uh, like snippets that I'll just fire off really quickly. Um, there was a guy, um, his name was Cosmos uh, Mutet. Uh, oh, wow, I'm going to butcher his name. But his, his first name was Cosmos. Um, and he was a marathon runner um, in Kenya. And I got to meet him and his microphone moment was just saying that, um, I don't know, the, the fruit is sweet, but the root is bitter. I think as athletes, we all, um, oh, there's so much like it's, there are these amazing moments, like I said, like going fourth and five, making a tackle, sending, um, oh, winning a, a conference championship, or just the ideas of like being like, um, you know, sitting in the back of the bus laughing after the game or um, team, team dinner, or just having your parents come up to a game and see you do the wonderful things that you do. And, um, yeah, so all these things, but the, the roots sometimes are better of like, man, there's so much sacrifice, there's so much grind that you have to do. And um, I think that's just one of those realities of sport that, that can be um, can be so tough. But some of some people, um, I don't know, just in that same vein, I, I think about um, a girl named Cherie from Belgium who is a rugby player. And one of her big things, just that big moment was like, um, it's not the amount of yes, it's not the amount of no's, it's the amount of yeses of like some of those sacrifices you may have to make. Like if you remember what your yes is, if you remember what your why is, then, then maybe it's not as it's not as tough. Um, I would say um, a lot of um, speaking to, I, I don't know if there's um, just guys who are in the world of like, man, should I do a fifth year? Should I do a sixth year? Should I be a super senior? Um, there's this thing about, um, retirement that I was talking with, with a MMA fighter from New Zealand. And one of the things he said was, um, yeah, one of the things we were just kind of wrestling with was, uh, oh, everybody wants a Cinderella story. Um, but, but most people don't get the fairy tale ending. Um, and it can be this tough thing of like, oh, if you can imagine Cinderella, she's going to the dance. It's this magical moment. We're with the guys, we're with the girls, we're doing we're doing this great, amazing thing that is athletics. Um, yeah, but a, a, every dance has to stop at some point. And uh, Cinderella knew her time was at midnight. Um, and if Cinderella was smart, she, well, no, okay, Cinderella was smart. But like if she was maybe wiser, um, she would have left at maybe 1146. Like she would have stopped dancing then. She would have went and um, used the bathroom, like came out and maybe have one more one-on-one -on -one with the prince, had a kiss, walked out, you know, left him wanting more. And um, there would have been, oh, but Cinderella doesn't do that. She ends up going right up to midnight because it's fun. It's exciting. It's this great, um, it's this great moment. And 
I think sometimes like as athletes, like we, we attach, um, and we attach so much of our value, so much of our identity to our sport. And sometimes, um, and, and this might be for one person, maybe this isn't for everybody, because I, I think sometimes you just keep riding until um, you keep dancing until someone taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, it's time to go home. But um, yeah, I, I think there's so many people in this world where we're still on guys who still have a year left, two years left, where it's like, man, I don't know where to go next. Will I be okay if I stop? Will I be okay if I... Or if I'm continuing, why am I continuing? And I, I think, um, yeah, just knowing that, um, I don't know, after the dance, like the best thing Cinderella did, her finest hour wasn't the night at the ball. It was everything after that. Um, and so knowing that um, the best is yet to come, um, knowing that, um, yeah, that not being afraid of, being afraid of that transition into retirement where maybe it's not as flashy or maybe like, um, I'm coming to the realization that two years ago, if I tackled somebody, 2,000 people scream and, and yell my name and I get high fives on the sideline. If I tackle somebody today, I go to jail. Um, so there's this kind of, I'm not going to tackle anybody, I promise. But um, there's just, um, I don't know, there's this different reality um, when you step outside of sports. That that the transition to retirement, um, it can, can be tough, but um yeah, there, there's so much. Um, the the best is yet to come. Uh, that that might be. I feel like I've got more, and I just could keep going and going and going. No, but, that was great. Um, I appreciate all the ones you shared. Yeah. I think they all they all hold hold a little bit of value. Um, and will probably hold a lot of value to certain people who who resonate with them. Um, we are coming up on time. Is there anything that you feel like we haven't touched on yet that you? want to share or chat about hmm. that's a great question um man kind of like kind of like toss you the ball back and say is there like an extra question that you may have wanted to ask because i feel like i i, I kind of just i might be one of those old grandpas who talks about football for 30 years while you're trying to just get the potato salad at the at the family function but yeah if, if there's maybe like one I wonder if there's an, a question on your side where you're like, "Hey, I'm a bit curious about this," or "Hey, I wonder if the fan, or if the viewers would want to hear this, this, and this." Um, that may have not covered just because I kind of tangented a little bit. Well, the good news is we end with closing questions, so I'll just dive into those and oh, hopefully sweet. that hits our mark. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I normally do too. So the first closing question is, if you could give one piece of advice to anyone listening who maybe struggling, maybe in a situation where they're seeing someone else struggle, what kind of piece of advice based on what you've learned and what you've seen and what you've experienced firsthand would you give to them? Yeah, I would say, um, like, um, and I, I'm a big, like, imagery idiom. Again, being from Texas, I might be the guy who talks your ear off, but um, it's it's not the first swing of the axe that makes the tree fall. Um, I think one of the hardest things, like even just in the stories of people that I talk to around the world, one of the hardest things is like, man, I reached out for help and nobody was there. Or um, I'm in this, um, for a lot of our guys, um, sometimes it's like, man, the people around me are like, they're way too silly. If I shared this, this, and this, they would make fun of me. They would be, they, they wouldn't. And I think the hard part of, of life is like um, what I found around the world is that there's no silver bullet to like mental health. I wish I could write in this book, hey, if you did X, Y, and Z, that this is going to happen um, or that you're going to be all well. But I think in our lives, there are so many, um, there's so many times where um, maybe just there's there's all these disconnects and, and it's incumbent on us to to connect ourselves again to community, connect ourselves again to purpose, um, connect ourselves just um, back to ourselves. And I, I think um, just being willing to raise your hand, because I, I think in this day and age, especially just where we all are as a society after COVID, like um, there's mountains of people that want to help you. They may not know, they may not be mind readers. They, um, yeah, and I, 
I think the on the other side of that, if you're someone who's seeing somebody struggle, like, um, I don't know, like the worst thing that somebody could tell you is like, hey, I'm not struggling or like, you know, they could be like, leave me alone. I, I don't know. Maybe they could say much vulgar words that, but I, I think um, any good friend will never fault a friend for holding them accountable, for trying to keep them honest, for trying to look for the best thing in themselves. And I, I know there's a couple of people who are listening now who are like, well, actually you wouldn't hear what you would love to hear what happened to me last week. But um, I, I think by and large, um, yeah, I think we, we live in this world where we, we, we often don't check up on the people who check up on people. Um, we often don't live in, we live in a world where, um, oh, we, we are connected, but very disconnected at the same time. Um, but it's one of those things where, hey, if you if you reach out, if I reach out, um, you reach out enough times, the tree will fall. Um, yeah, that, that's that's maybe the advice I'd give. I love that. Um, my final closing question. What are you most grateful for? Um, yeah, I, I'll take it back to that. Um, that that Maori proverb and it. Yeah, simply just in English, like what is the most important thing in the world? The refrain is it's the people, it's the people, it's the people. I um I don't know, maybe part of me going on so many tangents on this, um, on on some of the questions. I I'm, I'm on two hours of sleep. Um, but part of why I'm on two hours of sleep is um on my trip, um, it's just this beautiful thing of getting to meet so many people from around the world. Like my body time clock doesn't necessarily um, match up with my relational time clock of like um, had the opportunity to meet some MMA fighters in New Zealand while I was out there. And I got the opportunity to watch uh, four or five of them fight, um, albeit from 2.30 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. our time. And um, what should I call it? From uh, tomorrow, I'll watch uh, track and field um, at the – at the Diamond League, I think a couple of days back, I was watching Australian footy and um, just, no, I, I think I, I'm so grateful for the people um, who have given me a bit of their time and their love. I, I think um, Coach McKillop from Davidson, he says this, um, he says that the two greatest gifts in life are uh, your time and love. And I would add to that, if you love something, you'll give it time. If you give something time, it's probably because you love it. Um, and I, I am the product. Um, everybody here is the product of people who have given us time and love. Um, yeah, and I, for that, I can be so grateful. I think just one full year of just getting loved on and, and people giving me time. Even, um, yeah, just even given me time from a, a stranger from Texas. Um, so I, I, I think that would, that'd be what I'm the most grateful for is just, just the people is, is what I'd say. Um, don't know if that, that answers it, but we're, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm sticking to. Awesome. Um, no, I love that answer. I think I, I would agree, you know, there's so much to be grateful for with, with great people, um, around you and, and in your community. So with that, Chi-Chi, thank you so much for coming on the Mental Matchup and getting into all things injury, COVID, travels, learnings, um, and everything in between. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, it's just been a it's been a pleasure to to be a part of just kind of the Morgan's Message family and just um, I love everything that you guys have done and. Um, that was one of my favorite things, um, traveling around the world. I got to take uh, one of you guys' hats and um, just getting to have a hat that's touched everywhere around the world. Um, I, I, I realize it's my, my first international cap. Um, I didn't necessarily debut for the Olympics or anything like that, but I've got an international cap and it's, uh, it's a Morgan's message one. So. Another huge thank you to Chi Chi for coming on the mental matchup and sharing so many vulnerable moments in his experiences the past few years. I am 
beyond grateful to have had him on and to not just have him as a podcast guest, but also have him on our stories and have him involved in Morgan's message and everything in between. We are, we are very, very lucky. Um, with that, if you want to learn more about Chi Chi, you can head to morgansmessage.org. Go look up what volcanoes have to do with athletes' mental health. If you are interested in sharing your story on the mental matchup, whether it be a podcast, a story submission, or you know maybe you just want to chat and see what the possibilities are, you can head to morgansmessage.org or send an email to submission at morgansmessage. And last but not least, a huge thank you to Morgan's Message for presenting this podcast. We would not be here without them. If you want to get in touch with Morgan's Message, if you want to find out more, if you want to get involved, head to morgansmessage.org or follow along at Morgan's Message. With that, I will see you next episode.